Hello, and welcome. This podcast will explore the concept of Atlantic world history, which is to say that we will be exploring how the histories of Africa, Europe, and North and South America are culturally and commercially connected, and they have been intrinsically ever since Columbus accidentally reached the Caribbean in 1492. Now, by studying the history of the Atlantic world, certain historical themes can be better understood than by studying U.S. or Mexican history alone, or French history, or African history. Today, we embark on a journey that begins with European traders and raiders leaving the Mediterranean and entering the deep, dark waters of the Atlantic, and will end with the joining of Eastern and Western Hemispheres and the subsequent creation of our modern world. The quest will be an exciting one. We will meet conquistadors, pirates, and revolutionaries. It will also be tragic, and we will see firsthand the growth of slavery in the plantation complex, and the destruction of entire cultures. That means there will occasionally be profanity, mostly the fault of the pirates, some my own. There will be revolts, wars, daring escapes, and long debates about what it means to be human. Sometimes I will use funny voices. We are sure to have a blast, now, I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve, so you're going to get to know me quite a bit, and I hope to get to know you all as well. Someone once told me that telling this story will involve a gargantuan amount of reading and writing about numerous topics spanning over 500 years, and on no fewer than four continents. It might take a madman to take up such a task, and if that is true, well, hello. Nice to meet you. My name is Jesse Wiest, and I'll be your huckleberry. Now, years ago, I flunked the 10th grade three times in a row. I got in a fight, and I dropped out of high school. So, needless to say, it would be impossible for me to tell you this story without a tremendous amount of help I've had over the years. I speak to you today truly while standing upon the shoulders of giants. To so many do I owe that I am actually fearful of attempting to individually name everyone, lest I leave someone off on accident. Uh, with that said, I obtained a magnificent education at the University of Georgia, where I majored in history. Each and every class I took in pursuit of my degree inspired me. I owe a great deal to the professors in the history and anthropology departments, and as well as the Department of Native American Studies in Athens. Uh, Afterwards, I worked at Wormslow State Historic Site in Savannah, Georgia, as a park ranger, where I gained an expertise in the colonial history of Georgia. Again, I owe a great deal to the uh, people who I met while working there. I will probably later be name-dropping from both of these places, frankly. Now, I have also briefly taught middle and high school in Georgia, and then I moved out west here to Colorado, where I began to work on this project. Finally, I owe a great deal to all the other history podcasts to which I've been a loyal listener of, uh, especially Dan Carlin, Tanelli Bellelli, and Mike Duncan. Wow, these guys inspired me to be speaking in front of you uh, today. Last, but certainly not least, it would be impossible for me to be here except for all the support I've received over the years from my parents both of whom, who have master's degrees in English, raised me well, did their best to teach me not to use double negatives, and are exceptional people. Wiest is an unusual last name, and my father, who was Chatham County's Teacher of the Year in 2000, 
taught English as well as coached football, basketball, and soccer. And you have no idea how often I heard growing up introducing myself to total strangers that Coach Wiest was their favorite teacher. Well, he's my favorite teacher, too. My mom began working for Rodale's Scuba Diving Magazine as an assistant proofreader in the early 1990s. Since then, she's learned how to scuba dive, traveled all over the world, and gotten more than a couple promotions on her way to becoming managing editor for that magazine. Oh, she's also the managing editor of two other magazines and was inducted into the Woman Divers Hall of Fame this past year. No big deal. Um, they are the best parents in all of human history. They inspire me to this day to be as awesome as they are. I love you, Mom and Dad, and I apologize in advance for any past, present, or future grammatical errors that make their way into the podcast. Now, as for me, I'm a pretty damn good storyteller, if I do say so myself, and I promise to do my best to entertain you. Over the next few episodes, we're going to dive right in with a few topics I've previously written and spoken about in the 18th century Atlantic world. Afterwards, we will travel back in time to learn about the f formation of English and Portuguese power in the medieval period, and we shall work our way forwards from there in a roughly chronological order from 1492 onwards. Now, I don't know exactly how long it will take me to put out episodes, but I have high hopes that this will eventually become my source of income, which would enable me to put out episodes faster. So if you find yourself enjoying the show, and you are so inclined, I would be thrilled if you liked my Facebook page, at Atlantic World History, or followed me on Twitter, at Atlantic1492. There's no spaces in either of those handles. And if you do follow me, you'll get to see updates, and you'll get to see other neat stuff like pictures and maps relevant to our episodes, and as well as get to preview merchandise that hopefully we'll be selling soon, like t-shirts, hoodies, and coffee mugs. And I look forward to hearing from you as well about everything from all the things I'm wrong about to future topics you'd like to hear me to discuss. Now, I eternally appreciate your support in return. Now, with that said, I think it is probably time that I begin to earn said support. So, let us sally forth. Lend me your ear, and I will tell you the same story that made me fall in love with the history of the Atlantic world. Georgia, which was founded as the final or youngest of England's 13 original colonies, when 119 colonists followed James Edward Oglethorpe across the Atlantic 
and in 1733 stepped off the HMS Anne and climbed atop the sandy bluff that would soon become the city of Savannah. The colonists, who were from London and a couple other cities in England, believed to a man that they had arrived in South Carolina. In contrast, the Spanish, who were already living 100 miles to the south at El Castillo de San Marcos, were quite firm in their belief that the English had just planted settlers down in the Spanish colony of La Florida. Neither Brit nor Spaniard bothered to ask the locals, who would have told them they were in Muscogee country, but nobody in 1733, called the Low Country between the Savannah and St. Mary's Rivers, Georgia. Merely five years later, England and Spain would find themselves at war over shipping issues and the colony of Georgia, and a century after that, a famous historian named Sir Thomas Carlyle would write a book, and he will name the conflict The War of Jenkins' Ear. And so I'm going to answer the following questions. Who was Robert Jenkins? And why the hell did anyone ever want to fight a war over his ear? Two years before James Oglethorpe and those brave colonists embarked to North America, Captain Robert Jenkins stood above deck Her Majesty's ship the Rebecca, being berated in Spanish while Spanish marines dragged his illicit cargo upwards from below decks of his brig. Jenkins might have been angry with the situation at hand if he hadn't been so terrified that the Spanish captain was going to kill him. For some ship's captains, the discovery of smuggled goods being stowed below decks might lead to charges of piracy. But Robert Jenkins had a card up his sleeve. Please, please, Jenkins requested mercy as he reached into the pocket of his waistcoat to produce a document which he handed over to the Spanish captain just as he was being tied to the mast of his ship. The document in question was an official government uh, letter called a letter of marquee or a letter of mark. Robert Jenkins was in permission of a permission slip, for lack of a better term, from the British crown. The letter of marquee gave Jenkins permission to go to the Caribbean in order that he might steal, smuggle, raid, pillage, and plunder as much as he wished. Provided, of course, that the Spanish Garda Costa could not catch him. Signed, King George. Only a few hours earlier, Captain Julio Leon Fandino had stood on deck of his patrol boat, La Isabella. He lowered his looking glass from his prey, a small British brig with a cargo of contraband muskets destined for sale to Creek Indians. Fandino was an officer in the Spanish Garda Costa, who had spent a miserable few months patrolling the Florida coastline, looking for smugglers while dealing with oppressive heat and humidity, as well as dealing with disease-laden mosquitoes. La Isabella was hidden behind a small coastal island, and because of this, achieved complete surprise of the HMS Rebecca. A fortuitous wind made for a quick pursuit, which ended with Fandino standing before Jenkins, reading Jenkins' letter of marquee. Jenkins pleaded with his Spanish counterpart with confidence. As you can see, I have no desire to commit any crimes. I merely do my king's duty. Fandino crumpled the letter into a ball and tossed it into the ocean. He drew his cutlass and famously replied, Now go, Senor Jenkins. Go and tell your king that I will do the same if he dares to do the same. And with that, 
the Spaniard sliced Jenkins' ear clean from his head. This incident certainly did not cause a war. In fact, it made barely a ripple in the British media. Only one magazine carried the story and not a single newspaper. I would not be telling you this story if not for the peculiar behavior of Robert Jenkins after this incident, which again happened two years before the founding of Georgia. Now, England and Spain, already butting heads over shipping issues, saw their relationship further deteriorate upon the creation of the Georgia colony. And just five years later, in 1738, a member of Parliament named Alderman Perry presented a speech, Spanish Depredations on British Subjects, which essentially was a list of all the rotten things that any Spaniard had committed against any Englishman, with special emphasis on the rotten things done to Englishmen by Spanish soldiers. Halfway through the presentation, Mr. Alderman opened the doors to Parliament and with a flourish introduced everyone to a special guest. That special guest was none other than the now-retired Captain Robert Jenkins. Well, he, along with having just one ear, had quite a story to tell. Alderman Perry told the intrigued audience that just that story of how Captain Jenkins had lost his ear. While Jenkins strode the room, reached into his pocket, and produced a jar, within which was his own ear, pickled and kept with him now for the last seven years. This is what the Spanish will do to you, he spit and shouted at shocked gentry in the gallery. The London Gazette claimed the next day that the men shook their fists with rage and all the women fainted. Concluding the tale, Mr. Perry thanked and sent off Captain Jenkins, likely to the delight of the spat-upon audience. Immediately after, though, Perry ran to the door and called out, Captain Jenkins, I have forgotten the most important question. Members of Parliament sat slack-jawed in astonishment as Jenkins returned to Parliament and heard Alderman Perry and, and Jenkins engage in a quick exchange that was undoubtedly the greatest act of political history in the history of modern politics. My apologies, Captain Jenkins, but would you tell us just what did the, cap the Spanish captain say to you before cutting off your ear? The audience was shocked at Jenkins' reply, which he shouted. That Spaniard told me that if King George were there, he would have cut off his ear too. As a result, an outraged Parliament recalled their ambassador and declared war on Spain. And that is the story of how once upon a time a war was declared in this world over the ear of a thief. Now before we move on, the question must then be asked. Why did... Robert Jenkins carry his own pickled ear in a jar for at least seven years after it was severed. Perhaps Jenkins kept it merely out of sentimental attachment, or perhaps as proof of what had happened. But I believe that Jenkins carried his ear in the jar around with him because he enjoyed going to the tavern. Jenkins might hear some loud mouth at the bar telling a story or another, someone like me, frankly. 
And he could reach into his pocket and set a jar down with it on the table and say, Oh yeah? Well, I've got a better story. Now, if that's true, I think there's one further consideration we have to make about Mr. Jenkins and, and how he felt. Because that day, that special day when Alderman Perry first approached Captain Jenkins and, and asked him, you know, Mr. Jenkins, will you come out of retirement to serve your country for one day? Come to Parliament to tell your story. Now, whatever happens, Mr. Jenkins, don't forget to bring that ear. Well, that must have been the greatest day in his entire life. Our next episode will be about the golden age of the pirates. And until then, so long. And thanks for all the fish. Hey, you said the pirates come and listen what I say. The captain is a tyrant and I no longer obey. I'm sick of taking orders from the madman in command. So let's drop him on an island and leave him in the sand. Cause it's a mutiny. It's a mutiny. It's a mutiny. And I will take it over the ship. It's a mutiny. Hey, mighty captain, haven't you heard what's happening here? You're no longer in control, and we're drinking up your beer. This is now a democratic, egalitarian pirate ship, so enjoy your trip. Cause it's a mutiny. Ship.